0: You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 83, covering The Hunted and The High Ground. Hello, friends.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: We're not happy this, this week.
1: fucking... Oh, you know what? I quit.
0: No, you can't quit Matt we're I, not even, I don't want
1: I don't want to do it anymore.
0: you can't we're not even to Voyager yet.
1: I, I hate it. I hate I it and I don't want it.
0: I know, honey next week we have a great episode, I promise, and week after that we have the best lineup ever. Ugh. It's just the way season three works is we get some really, really great ones, and then we get this. Ugh. We have remember to suffer
1: I, for our good episodes. Remember
0: when I kept talking about Rebels, and you're like, what are you talking about? There's no Rebels. Yeah, I don't know well,
1: what... You, and, and then last week, we got a Rebel, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess I understand. What, and then this week, we get all the Rebels in the world.
0: Yep, which it's always filthy Rebels versus smug, uh, well-bathed uh, government people.
1: <laughs> and turtleneck wearers.
0: Well, sometimes turtleneck wearers, sometimes funny hat wearers, sometimes all, uh, what, fake Tasha Yars.
1: They often wear, like... Those weird-ass, like, suits that they have in the future.
0: <laughs> well, we don't have them in the present. That's for damn sure. No, that is definitely certain. Because we have, we have sense here. We have real suits. Well, let's start with The Hunted, which is yours. They're basically interchangeable. But you took The Hunted and he wrote some words about it, so why don't you tell us those words? Well,
1: my summary of The Hunted basically goes like this. Except goes you dustly, Except that you can't see me making a jerking-off gesture. Very well. All right. The Enterprise is given a performance ev- is giving su- a performance evaluation to some planet of mall-dwelling turtleneck wearers as to whether or not they can be allowed to enter the Federation, giving more credence to my ongoing theory that everything DS9 is based around gets its start in Season 3 of TNG. After a thoroughly lovely tour of the food court led by Mustache Zephyrin Cochran, the Enterprise is informed that some stinky rebel has escaped from the planet's moon-based penal colony. Using the incredible military tactics of hiding behind a rock, the stinky rebel evades Starfleet's finest until he is eventually brought down by Chief O'Brien, because that guy spends eight years married to Keiko O'Brien and you do not want to fuck with a man with that kind of willpower. (laughs) Once jailed, Counselor Troy encounters the rebel Danner on her way from one chocolate sundae to the next, and falls in love with his hastily applied eye makeup. He reveals that he was a biologically engineered soldier, bred to fight in some war the turtleneck people had, and when the war was over, he and the other soldiers were shipped off to the moon, where there would be no trouble at all. Troy and Data both fall for Danar's ripped sleeve charm, and they petitioned Picard to help him in his... De- to help him... In his defense, Picard wants to do something, but there's not a whole lot he can do except return the prisoner to Zephron Cochrane. During prisoner transfer, Danar escapes by punching his way out of a transporter, because yes, you can do that, <laughs> and then he runs amok on the Enterprise. Eventually, he escapes when a riot starts in the prison colony. James Comrel, Zephyrin Cochrane, begs for Picard's help, but he's about fed up with the whole thing, just like me, denies the planet their place in the Federation, and fucks the fuck off. Actually, that might not be be how it happens my dvd fucked up towards the end but if it's not you know what i'll eat my hat any hat
0: even gynan's hat
1: even gynan's giant hat wow
0: yeah gynan's giant hat would have been a better episode than this <laughs> just 45 minutes on gynan's giant hat
1: gynan's <laughs> giant hat would have been a good techno band
0: <laughs> except i'd always be saying uh Guinan's giant hat <laughs> that's no good yeah this like i say one of two episodes in a row with filthy rebels fighting um uh, smug government people.
1: You don't understand, Al. Those people did something to him. To him, and now uh, the only thing he can do is fight back for his freedom.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Be nice to the to the veterans. Like, thanks. I, I got that about thirty seconds in. Do we really need forty five minutes? No,
1: to... you don't understand. Because see, people got went to Vietnam, and when they got back, no one cared about them.
0: Listen, I appreciate their their uh, plight, but does that mean I have to suffer through forty five minutes of bad Star Trek? I no, mean, I let's... don't think so. Let's be reasonable here. Yeah, come on. All right, let's go into your good. I'm I'm curious how you found a good thing.
1: Uh, yeah, I could, This might have been a bit of a reach. Um, I like the effect of Dinar's ship bouncing off the Enterprise's shields. I don't think I've ever seen that before.
0: <laughs> That's true. In the in the first of I don't know f- what is it forty seven forty eight um, chase scenes. Mm-hmm. There's uh, they're they're chasing his ship around as you say a rock. Yep. And his ship does or bounce since it's off in and space it's funny. a asteroid. Right. But same same thing. Yes, a rock. Uh, I do think that that moment was belittled a bit when Wesley said he bounced off the shields.
1: Also, I think it could have done with with a uh, when Boom. the ship hit. Yes, exactly. Dong. Yes, exactly. Uh,
0: which bad thing did you choose of, uh, of the many myriad available? Oh uh, yeah.
1: the idea that the turtleneck people never even try to fix their shoulder their soldiers, they just ship them off to space is so yep. utterly laughably
0: stupid that I couldn't believe it. It's just wow. Yeah, they asked him, did you try Well, we put it to a vote and the people said no. It's like, so there's it, no way to cure these money. guys?
1: Well, no, there probably is.
0: Yeah. We, look at them. They can't even wear clothes. But I, mean, I mean, they're ripped like, and dirty.
1: We don't want them mucking up our nice mall.
0: Yeah. I mean, no, I would say that the planet this week is more like a museum and the next mm. one is way more like a mall.
1: Right, where people come to see them.
0: Yes. Um, so for me, my good thing, well, my good thing might be stepping on your quote actually. All right. Um, which we might as well go ahead and play now because Picard yes. has a really nice badass moment at the very end of the episode. Captain, you must do something. Call your ship. Quite right. Prime minister. Enterprise. Prepare to beam the away team back. At your command, Captain. Picard, you can't leave us like this. I have all the information I need for my report. Your prisoner has been returned to you and you have a decision to make whether to try and force them back i welcome them home. In your own words, this is not our affair. We cannot interfere in the natural course of your society's development. And I'd say it's going to develop significantly in the next few minutes. And so that was was great because he's like, oh, not my problem anymore. Bye then.
1: (laughs) You've got to do something. You're absolutely right. Goodbye forever. Yep. (laughs) What a good idea, James Cromwell. (laughs) you'll go far in Star Trek
0: we'll see you again and again
1: (laughs) ah James Cromwell my old enemy
0: (laughs) that'll do Picard (laughs) and my bad thing just pretty much chosen at random now I don't like that the finest ship and crew in Starfleet is outsmarted by one filthy rebel in his underwear yep just fucking long underwear with a butt flap and ripped sleeves, just like, and, and, and it's the same, it's the fucking outrageous Okana all over again. Everyone gets a reaction shot of saying, he's so good. He's so Shut
1: outrageous.
0: Up. Shut Show up, us, lady. don't tell us, for yeah. the love of fuck.
1: All he does is just run around and like knock people out off camera.
0: All right, let's talk about all the stupid things that he does to outsmart them that just shouldn't be possible. Uh-huh. He doesn't register as a life form when they're scanning. Right. That doesn't really make sense, but okay, maybe there's technology for that.
1: They shut off his lifeformness when they re-whatevered uh, him.
0: Uh, I, I will because I don't understand the technology of Star Trek. I'll be willing to grant them that one, <laughs> but. Punching his way out of a transporter, as you pointed out in your summary. What
1: I and like I'm not I, I'm not bullshitting for humorous effect. He literally punches his way out of a transporter. No,
0: Matt, Matt, I need to correct you there. It's more like he mimes his way out.
1: Yes, he mimes his way out, explodes, it's, it's, and appears somewhere
0: else. It's more tai chi sort of flowy movements and punching. At least implies that he's being aggressive in some way. This is way fruitier than that.
1: I mean, if you really want to be specific, he shoves his way out.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of, you know, waving your arms around like eh. you just don't care. Eh. But not only does he appear somewhere else, but he appears somewhere else with a phaser. Yep. Next the next scene he's like, uh, a phaser has been stolen." What?
1: Like it makes no sense what? whatsoever.
0: Yeah. He just he, no like sense. he
1: shoves at the transporter beam until it explodes. Everyone gets knocked back and he just vanishes and th- like that's our act break. And my thinking, of course, was like, oh, so he died or something.
0: Yeah. Nope.
1: Nope. He just appeared elsewhere off camera, stole a phaser, and ran away.
0: Yeah. That's, uh...
1: And every time he opens his stupid mouth about how he was stupid mistreated by stupid James Cromwell, I just want (laughs) to punch him in his stupid fucking eye makeup face.
0: Filthy Rebels, Matt. Ah! Matt. favorite thing about Star Trek. That and, and Magic Dream episodes. Oh,
1: my God. It looks like someone held him down and, like, painted a little thing on his eye.
0: Okay, yeah, let's talk about that makeup. These guys are not humans, and neither are the characters next week, because they talk about you Earth humans. Mm-hmm. But they're basically humans with a tiny scratch of makeup in yep. this case. Next episode, we'll have something even stupider. Yep. But, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um... But it's it's what I've been talking about, where the early seasons of Star Trek, I feel like they were a little more imaginative with their alien design. And now it's just like, eh, they're people, but they got some gunk in their eye.
1: They, you know what? I don't care.
0: Just uh, put some w- stuff on him. I wish they were aliens. That's all. it's there's not supposed to be. If it was an Earth colony and it was all the same stuff, that would be fine. Yep.
1: Wouldn't be an, an issue. But you try and alien them up just a tiny bit.
0: And well, so it's like, I... oh,
1: fuck off.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No, um, no, they're
1: from the red stripe next to your left eye planet. You know <laughs> no, Matt, that the, one.
0: The name of the planet was Ambrosia Salad, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and the name of the, the Pinot colony was Lunar Five, which is the least imaginative name for a moon that I've heard since the moon. <laughs> you don't uh,
1: get to hear the rest of their moon names. It's like, okay, okay. we got Lunar five, we got the moon seven, we, we got, got big- Crater eight. <laughs> We got big white floaty rock thing that orbits the planet six.
0: <laughs> you got two sixes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I will give I will give Troy credit where it's due. Um, none of their science uh, equipment could detect him as a life form. Troy's um, empathic senses were the only things that could pick up on what he was thinking and feeling. And for a change, she was actually useful. I'll give her that.
1: And also to her, to her uh, and also surprising the hell out of me, she did not fall in love with him.
0: No, we both have that in our notes, and she falls in love with
1: him. Yeah. No, I've got and she's here. a werewolf. <laughs> Let's see here. If she, if Troy falls in love with this guy, I quit. Flonk can do this job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it would be Gavin, then Flonk, probably. Yes. Um,
1: Flonk's going to love hearing that. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Flonk. You're number three. He's he's going to be here next week, so he can take it up with us personally. That's yep. fine. And next week, he doesn't have to sit through two episodes with fucking filthy rebels. Yep. There's a bit where um, Jordy gets knocked out in engineering and Worf comes down and asks if he's okay. And uh, Jordy, the way he talks to Worf is like he could actually have fought the guy. He just came from out of nowhere. Didn't give me a chance to punch him. Oh, honey,
1: uh, it's like, uh huh. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I no. I completely understand. let no, just you, pretend you that you could
0: have fought him. You would have so beat the hell out of him. Yeah. I'm I just, Worf. I really don't get that he, this guy. I mean, okay, he's supposed to be good. That's fine. But he outsmarts everyone at every turn. It just doesn't make sense. Can't they just turn everything off? Yeah. Just power the whole ship down. Turn the doors off. Everything.
1: It's just like – if you're going to have a guy outsmarting the – first of all, outsmarting not just the smartest guys in the Federation but our guys, the guys right. that the show is based around. Right. Like he, he needs to be something other than some dick in a onesie running, <laughs> running around with his butt <laughs> flap hanging on. <open. laughs> nice onesie dick. <laughs> and his stupid sleeves hanging on by a half thread. Ugh.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, he he pulls the old uh, uh, the original Captain America movie, not the good one from a couple of years ago, but the one from the early '90s, where he he would hide under the stairs while the like guys would come after him and then run back up the stairs. He did those kinds of things. Yeah,
1: he he he, he completely bamboozled the entire crew,
0: except Worf. That one yes. didn't work on Worf at least. But wh- he's in the uh, the shuttle bay or the cargo bay, one of the bays. I don't know. And um, they they gas him, which is a good move. Mm -hmm. They should have gassed him more, but um, maybe if they didn't release gas that was tinted purple like the Riddler was doing it, (laughs) maybe he wouldn't have realized he was being gassed and just would have collapsed.
1: Oh no, genuine Joker product!
0: (laughs) I know the Joker's gas is purple and not the Riddler's, but the Riddler sounds funnier. The
1: Riddler does sound funnier. Yeah. Look out, the Riddler! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's talk about things that are funnier than this episode. Let's talk about the Riddler. Yes. Um, he' smug douches <laughs> the real- yeah, but he's fun at least yes the the real thing that I have a problem with in episodes like this is when we focus on the problems of a planet that we've never seen before and we'll never see again, mm-hmm. when no one in the enterprise crew is really affected in any real way, yeah, like they need to get rid of this guy and leave, but no nothing is at stake for our characters, who cares, yeah,
1: no end of the day, they could just fucking turn the ship around and go home,
0: and they do, yeah, but I I just don't like it when the primary focus is on someone who isn't the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's episodes like Darmok or like Iborg where they're exploring other cultures, but it still explores the way those things affect our characters. Yeah, it's like that's what makes them good.
1: It's like this episode could easily have been about any Star Trek, Star Trek crew. Yeah. Or you could, you you could know, rewrite
0: this for Voyager or Enterprise or whatever, it or doesn't Babylon matter.
1: Five.
0: Yeah, well, in the next episode, the guys have very Babylon 5 uniforms, yes. but we'll get there. Anything else? I have literally, like, most of my notes... The Riddler. <laughs> Dale.
1: <laughs> the Riddler would have fixed this shit damn quick.
0: I, there was one funny moment with Roga Danar, and I feel like we should say his name just because it's one of those terrible sci-fi names that they like. Roga Danar.
1: Oh, no, it's Roga Danar!
0: It feels like you go to a, a website that'll just generate your Star Wars name. Yep, And that's it. The bounty hunter Roga Danar. hmm But, um... He had a moment where uh, Troy is like, why don't you trust me? And he goes into this speech about how a a dark-haired woman betrayed him once, and then he just kind of laughs and says, no, no, that's a lie. And then he gives her another sob story, and that's also a lie. That was a brief moment of self-awareness. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You got anything else? Yeah, there's this
1: moment where uh, he's sneaking around. And you have the one security guard guarding this hallway, staring (laughs) stock straight in the other direction, refusing to turn around, looking at a force field that no one can get through.
0: That four square feet is secure. Yeah, no, listen. nowhere beyond that. Does anyone care about perimeter now?
1: No one's getting past Lieutenant Ricky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's going to go hang out with Dalek Steve next week. (laughs) Uh, anything else?
1: No, fuck this episode to death.
0: Fuck it to death. We already did your quote. Yep. Let's move on. My episode is called The High Ground. The Enterprise visits a war-torn planet where filthy rebels are fighting smug government officials. Uh, Matt, I think we might have done the same episode. What? Oh, mine's stupider. <laughs> So the Enterprise is delivering medicine to a food court, then some stuff blows up and Beverly gets taken hostage. Then we listen to self-righteous speeches for 40 minutes while the Enterprise crew and smug government officials try to find the precise combination of technobabble to explain the magic portal technology the filthy rebels are using to blow stuff up. But mostly the speech thing. I typically like these summaries to be a certain length, but so little else happens in this episode that I'm struggling here. I could start using more adjectives, I suppose, or maybe insert my own self-righteous speech about how war is bad, but I'm better than that. Here and now, I'm stating for the record, and a podcast is like a notarized document in the eyes of the law, that I am better than Melinda Snodgrass, the writer of the episode. I'm a better writer and a better person. But okay, maybe somebody out there missed her point, that sometimes you can become so dedicated to fighting terrorism that you become a bad person yourself. Hey, I never thought it that way before. Thank you, Star Trek. Uh, You know, As as bad as my episode was... This reminded me of America Planet from the original series. Yep. Except that episode, at least we got some laughs out of this one. Just kept circling the drain and going back and forth between the same two things I over f- and I over feel again. Like
1: America Planet may have
0: been more subtle. That is also true. When when Gene Roddenberry writes a more subtle episode than this,
1: <laughs> you know, you know, you're laying on the whatever with a trowel.
0: Well, didn't you, um, didn't you dig up a quote out of Memory Alpha from Ron Moore about this one?
1: I did it indeed.
0: What did he have to say about this?
1: An abomination. It's our, ter- it's our one terrorist show. We didn't have anything interesting to say about terrorism except that it's bad and Beverly gets kidnapped. Ho-hum. They take her down to the caves and we get a nice big preachy speeches about terrorism and freedom, fighting and security forces versus society. It's a very unsatisfying episode and the staff wasn't really very happy with it. Thanks, Ron <laughs> Moore. You basically <laughs> sum- did our job for us.
0: Yep. Except the thing is they keep coming back to terrorists because, again, filthy rebels, like I said... That this is a thing that happens, like, very close to each other in this season, but it'll come up again and again. And the Maquis just never go away. Yeah. The Maquis are just this again. hmm Except instead of, um, well, in the last one, they were more uh, uh, former soldiers. But in this one, it's it's pretty much it, terrorists. Yeah. Um, no. So, go ahead.
1: And, like... Like we come back, we'll come back to this again and again. I've, we probably touched on it before, but I never understand the idea of rebel terrorists in Star Trek.
0: No, and it's an idea they keep wanting to try, and they just never get it.
1: It's like you have a you have an entire universe of livable planets. You cannot go five feet without tripping over a, an Eden planet. Yep. I mean, okay, it might have exploding flowers, but you know what? Not an issue. You can work around that. Sure. So why the fuck? do every week we have to deal with some greased-up leather enthusiast who's mad that some guy in a sweater doesn't want him to have a thing.
0: Yeah, and again, nothing is at stake for the Enterprise, although this time Beverly's kidnapped, so at least there's that. Yeah. But other than that, and that launches me right into my good thing, Beverly, this is the first time I will say she was not terrible. She has a, a couple of stupid, my baby, moments, but otherwise... Like, when she's kidnapped, she actually, she's pretty badass. At the very beginning, she wants to save some people who have been hit by a bomb, and everyone else wants to beam away, and she wants to stay and fix them, and that was a very good moment.
1: Yeah, it's a really nice, uh, like, Beverly as a real doctor
0: moment. Right. And then, when she's kidnapped, she just, she completely, like, uh, clams up, doesn't Mm -hmm. talk, doesn't tell him her her name, anything, which is cool. But then, eventually, when she's begging for her life, she's like, I have a son, and that's when she lost me, but then she got it back, so... I will also give Wesley credit because Mm -hmm. his initial reaction is, I want to go on the away mission. And Picard says, no, you need to help us figure out this magic portal thing. Yep. And it's cool. It's it's actually cool.
1: It's a nice choice of giving him something to do that makes sense because you can't give him a phaser and send him down to the planet to save his mommy.
0: But, I mean, and this isn't the only time this will happen and he's not the only one it happens with. Mm -hmm. There's times when other people want to charge in and rescue someone they care about and the captain says, no, this is not how men handle their problems. Yeah. And and I say men as grown-ups, not men as yeah. males.
1: To like, take, your, take your problems, shove them down into a little ball, and get back to work. Right.
0: Like all grown-ups do. Yes. But And, and Wesley, to his total credit, like Picard's talking to him like a grown-up now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to his total credit says, you're absolutely right, I will get to work and I will help solve this. And he does his part. Yep. Wesley's not bad in this. Beverly's, apart from one or two tiny moments, not bad in this. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I got. Yep. <laughs> My bad thing is, oh good, more filthy rebels. Yeah. What do you got?
1: It's even like it's even worse that it's two episodes in a row and one last last week as
0: well. Yep.
1: Like there's just too many filthy rebels clogging up our Star Trek.
0: <laughs> what do you got?
1: All right. Uh, yes, many of the cave sets feature heavily in other better episodes.
0: <laughs> really.
1: Uh, no, I, there's a really nice scene with Beverly and Picard that's pretty good when no one else is around speeching it up.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a great bit, a nice like I said, bickering moment. at the beginning, she's Picard's like, beam her up, I don't care. And Riker looks over and says, uh, I'm not going to beam her up. No,
1: great delivery by nails, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, um, and then later that, that situation comes to a head where Picard's taken prisoner and they're in the, the prison thing together. And he's like, well, I should have just beamed you up. And she's like, you wouldn't dare. It's like, like the, of course I would
1: I'm the goddamn
0: captain and for all her weaknesses I still think she might be the weakest actor in the in the ensemble mm-hmm. but I do think she she and uh, Patrick Stewart bicker very well
1: yeah they have, they have good chemistry the two of them which is they do. which is tough because like we all know how hard it is to play against Patrick Stewart
0: yeah no I give her total credit there mm-hmm. and I think they figure that out because later on they have a running thing where they have breakfast together mm-hmm. and they talk a lot and just nice little side moments yeah. because those two in particular are good together mmm of course, uh, we also get
1: the whole. There's something I never told you, Jean Luc. Yeah. Is it that I'm Wesley's father? Because we're never going to get back to that. <laughs>
0: What about your bad thing? Which which bad oh, God. thing? Well, I don't know
1: where to start or where to begin.
0: Well uh the
1: main villain's skunk face is completely <laughs> and utterly annoying, smug, stupid, and I hate him and yet we're supposed to sympathize with him because what? He draws pretty pictures of two hands holding of two people holding hands because they're friends? Fuck you. Fuck you and your stupid fuck off ass, stupid fucking skunk haircut. Eat a dick, die.
0: Yeah, that was the even stupider alien design of this week. They all had spray-painted <laughs> white stripe in their hair. Like, they all walked under that wet paint sign, and now Peppy LePew's going to be chasing them around. <laughs>
1: oh, that would have made
0: this episode so much better. Yes, it would have. um
1: eh, filthy rebel, my, my sherry.
0: But the, uh, the, the main guy had this uh, late 80s, early 90s sort of David Duchovny delivery. Like, you know, hey... We're rebels. That's right. Scully.
1: we have to find and stop this Bigfoot.
0: We're going to do this thing. Yeah. Okay. It was almost sort of um, late 80s Dennis Miller. Hey there, Baba Ganoush. Like that kind of thing. Just, <laughs> ugh, wanted to hit him. And then he was an artist. Yep. Which, if he was in a band, that would have been it. Yeah, Just or his name him in was the Skyler. <laughs> Also, everyone on the planet dressed only in blue and purple for some yep, reason. Blue I think, and
1: purple and Babylon 5 uniforms.
0: Well, the uniforms were fine. They were uniform-y looking. Like, oh, I didn't uniform. particularly care for Babylon 5 personally, but those mm-hmm. do look like military uniforms. Yes. But, uh No. Just, uh, and the And the main uh, government chick looked like she was one of the people who didn't get called back for Tasha Yar. Yeah. Like, she had that same sort of look about her.
1: And a pair of suspenders.
0: Yes. Which you said she was like Lady uh, Larry King, which I found a little disturbing.
1: This is indeed a most disturbing universe.
0: Yeah, Lady Larry King's a little hot, Pat.
1: <laughs> your your boy's in a lot of trouble here.
0: <laughs> they um. At one point, the, the smarmy rebel guy compares himself to George Washington. Hey, I'm like George Washington there, babe. No, you're not.
1: No, you're not. Sir, I've met George Washington. I've worked with George Washington.
0: <laughs> In a point-and-click game.
1: Yes. And, and your you know, teeth are made of teeth.
0: Yes. At one point, um, Wesley was trying to figure out who the scientist was who invented uh, portal technology, and apparently it's John Elway. <laughs> I'm not a huge <laughs> sports guy, but I do know who legendary quarterback John Elway is, and apparently he created portal technology. Well, so you have uh, watched
1: at least one episode of King of the Hill.
0: <laughs> Good for you, sir.
1: <laughs> nice work, John Elway. <laughs> a way to create portal technology.
0: There was a there was a bit where Beverly, somebody says we need a something something, and the delivery is exactly like CSI. She goes, "They need the services pause of a doctor." <clears throat> Yeah
1: <laughs> Terrible. Just terrible. Here, put these sunglasses on. <laughs>
0: yeah will somebody, will somebody think of the children? No. Have... Thrill as a waiter is interrogated. <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> Here, will this help? I guess. Yeah, I I just, I, uh, and over and over again in my notes, I just have this note. Oh God, I, oh good, I was hoping there would be another self-important speech. <laughs> Jesus fucking fuck. The,
1: the waiter actually reminded me of Scott Thompson as Buddy Cole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except Matt, you know there are no gay people in Star Trek. That's true. As Amanda keeps pointing out to us. She's right. Yes. Um, Picard does get a nice um, badass moment. Yep. When the when the stupid rebels portal into the bridge. And instead of waiting for security to take care of it, he just fucking slugs one. Yeah, it's
1: fucking awesome. This guy, like, That's teleports onto the bridge and Picard just punches him in the mouth.
0: Yeah. I like the teleport thing. I do like that it works differently than the transporter. Mm-hmm. They can't really trace it or figure it out. And that it makes you horribly sick until you die. Yeah, that That is the one thread of this that I think is actually kind of cool.
1: It's like this neat concept of how they're using, like... They're traveling through another dimension. To, yeah, they're like,
0: using, like, tiny wormholes or yeah. something, <clears> which and it's I a think really is cool, very
1: cool. It's a really cool concept, and, like, it gets around their whole well, If they're just beaming in, like, we have ways well, can't, to stop that. Like, can we block them. the transport?
0: Yeah, you can't beam through the shields. Yeah. And so forth. But, um, I no, and I like that it makes them sick. I like that nice little dark twist on it. That's yeah. That's my kind of thing totally, but it just... It, nah. it, 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 nah. I don't like it. It's a
1: very small amount of neat sci fi stuff in an otherwise really shitty fucking. Heavy
0: handed political episode. This
1: episode is so heavy handed that I can't believe the writer actually finished it while typing with those boxing gloves on.
0: (laughs) Whereas I thought that they had ham on their
1: hands.
0: (laughs) And I imagine they were drooling the whole time because their hands smelled like ham.
1: (laughs) Ooh, hot hand water.
0: There was one other badass moment where Jordy uh, manages to defuse a bomb, uh, throw his communicator on it, and beam it out, where it blows up where it's no trouble at all. And that was actually pretty cool.
1: Which is then instantly ruined by Troy going, oh, my God, he beamed himself into space.
0: Yeah, the, he's locked onto my signal. And they come back to the bridge and she says, his signal? No, oh, dummy. No. Of course, what Jordy doesn't know is that those communicators cost a lot of money. Yep. And they're not just going to give him another one. Now he's got to walk around and like use somebody else's. Pick up a payphone. Yep. Something.
1: He had to. Ma- he has to make one out of tin foil.
0: Right. And you know he's an engineer. He'll figure it out. Mm.
1: So, Anything? like, when do I get my new badge? Oh, Jordy. No. <laughs> Those things are like the only thing on the on the ship that we actually pay for. <laughs> it's that solid platinum core.
0: <laughs> Anything else? No. I got notes, but they're basically the same note over and over again. Because this episode was just the same note over and over yeah. again.
1: Oh, and what? First of all, I I was not at all pleased by the fact that uh, that uh, Skunk Face died really easily.
0: <laughs> yeah, but now those drawings that he gave Beverly will be worth a fortune.
1: I don't know. I mean, he was just shot in the back over a matter of eighty dollars. I feel yeah, like but- someone should have punched him a few times.
0: Well, yes. I although Matt. After that happened, then a kid picked up a gun because (laughs) now the kids are involved, Matt. Terrorism is bad.
1: Oh, no. It infects you so early. (sighs) No more killing, Al. Uh, No more killing.
0: Can't we just nuke the place from orbit?
1: Please. It's the only way to be sure.
0: I I do like it when there's almost a a glimmer of self-awareness in an episode like this where the entire crew hates what they're doing, rolls their eyes at people, and that leads me into my quote. Which is Beverly uh, responding to Skunkface, as Matt calls him, um, talking about how the teleporter's difficult to use. I need you here. To find a way to reverse the effects of the dimensional shift? I can do that right now. Stop using it! And I like that, because there's a few moments like that where everyone sort of rolls their eyes. Ugh. Well, stop it then! <laughs> Just stop!
1: How are we going to cure the sickness? Stop
0: doing that thing that makes you sick. Doctor, it hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. <laughs> What's wrong with you?
1: Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to enjoy another soothing cigarette. <laughs> I'm
0: going to beam through this thing <laughs> and get a cigarette. The, at one point, the dude beams or, you know, teleports to the Enterprise where Troy's walking down the hall and gives her a message. And I'm just like, oh, God, 30 seconds and she's going to fall in love with him.
1: Oh, what a wonderful Rebel.
0: I could see the the hearts forming in her eyes. Yeah,
1: no, the, um... He'd have to
0: hit her a time or two for her her to really fall in love with him. Yes. uh, (laughs) She certainly has a type.
1: Maybe if he pawed at her a little bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Just slugged her one.
1: Yeah. No, (laughs) um, I was... I was... There was a point in this episode, like, when, uh, when he... When What's-His-Face starts... Showing off his his uh, you know how 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 deep and soulful he is because he's also an artist. He's not. Look just at me, a babe.
0: Terrorist. I do drawings,
1: and it's like, oh God, is Beverly gonna fall in love with him?
0: There is a bit of Stockholm syndrome, but she doesn't fully fall in love with him. She does become sympathetic with his with his uh, cause.
1: Yeah, until he until he tries to blow up the Enterprise and her son. Right. And, but, then it ju- and then the episode just gets back to, oh, fuck you.
0: Yeah, exactly. that That is that is it. That is how the crew feels. That is how we feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> that sums it up quite nicely. Yep. Uh, Jesus Christ. Well, the good news is next week we have a couple... Well, at least one good episode. We have at least one, one
1: good episode.
0: One that I know what happens and I don't remember if it's good or not. But we got a, maybe the best Q episode that they ever did coming up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Flonk will be joining us for that. Yes. So look forward to that. Um... And we're done with this. we yeah, never more have to watch this episode again.
1: We never have to watch this again.
0: Or, or the other one. So that's good.
1: And I'm sure when we get to writing the summaries for the end of the year, it'll just be, fuck you, moving on.
0: Yep. We'll just write the same summary again, because they're basically writing the same episode again. Yep. It's only fair. Yeah. Those summaries, incidentally, are available for you in our episode guide, which you can buy on our Ooh, website. Nice, nice book. Are also available in our iPhone app, which you can also buy. The wonderful iPhone app. Yes, which is only, uh, I think I erroneously said it was two bucks. It is in fact three bucks, but you know what? You got three bucks to read a bunch of new jokes about Star Trek from us, because they're great.
1: All brand new content.
0: Yes, exactly. So read it. It's fun. Bob just got his first uh, paycheck for that, and uh, it it wasn't as much as it should have been. You guys should buy the app, because it's great. All right. And with that, we are going to leave now. Don't say Mendoza, Matt. Say your real thing. <laughs> I hate this episode.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, see you,
0: folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Ramotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.